Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Market Bites, as usual, joined by our Australian market analyst in Sydney, Australia. I'm Sam North, UK analyst. Hope everyone is doing well. Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. Very good. Yeah, no complaints from me. How about you? Yeah, good, good. No complaints from me. Overnight, Declan Rice. Here we go for Brizio Romano tweeted. Uh, he is like the the Bloomberg, the Reuters, the Financial Times. They report something more often than not. It's going to be true. Uh, so I'm happy. I'm happy. And and of course, your your beloved Liverpool are signing players as well. So it's going to be an interesting season ahead. Um, any expectations for your for your Liverpool? It could go well. You know, everyone's signing players. You know, Arsenal signing players. Chelsea selling players, bringing some names in. New coach. United, maybe not so much, but um, but no, yeah, it looks like we could be set up for for a good season. Keeping one eye on the Saudi league as well, of everyone going there. But yeah, yeah, they're they're trying their best, aren't they? I think if I was a player, China I'd go, part two, isn't it? Yeah, I'd go Saudi. I think 31. 31 I'd go for mm. the for the big contract, and before that, I'd be in Europe trying to actually do something with my career. <laughs> um, before we get killed for talking about football too much on the podcast, uh, like, share, subscribe, give us a rating. All of that is much appreciated. Today, as the title gives away, we're going to talk about the RBA. They had their announcement earlier this week. We got the latest jobs report from the US, which comes out on Friday, depending when you're listening to this. Uh, and we'll also talk a little bit about an update on the, the Fed meeting uh, of course uh, and then we've got a little section on tesla as well after reports focus on the number of their deliveries josh all good with you yep sounds good to me lots going on on the economic front like say u.s non-farm payroll is going to be really key um to you know how uh the u.s is faring in terms of the the sort of the general outlook of that economy are we heading for a recession are we not the rba as well teetering on the edge here with with what they're doing at the moment and and Tesla continuing to to buck the trend. So let's see. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, it's, I was speaking with Ben Lader on Monday and I, I said to him, do I dare say this is going to be a quiet week? Because, of course, we've got the, um, well, we had the sort of early finish on Monday. And Tuesday, of course, was Independence Day. So volumes were low across the board, if not market shut in the US on the Tuesday. But there's still a lot of things to digest and invest for people out there. So it was still going to be a week where there were head headlines to be created. And first up for us is the recent RBA monetary policy decision, the announcement. For most people in the market, if we just rewind a little bit, the decision to raise rates last time out was probably considered a bit of a shock. 
I think heading into it, and this is just a number I'm plucking out of thin air at the moment, I think it's about a 20% chance that they did um, raise rates last time. Um, which brings us on to the present now. Did they raise again? Did they hold? Did they cut? Uh, what are the takeaways from this meeting? Because other central banks, other traders, other investors will all be keeping a very close eye on what happened. Yeah, so, I mean, you sort of spoke about investors and traders there, and the RBA has kept both of those on edge over the last sort of few months. Yes. You mentioned that the 20% chance of the hiking that was bang on. It was a 20% chance, and that's what happened. The decision before that was also the same. Um, we had a pause, which was followed by two hikes. And then yesterday, they paused again. So left rates at 4.1%, with the board saying that they are looking to assess the state of the local economy so to to give those that maybe don't understand the landscape you know better better understanding we get a new monthly cpi reading which sounds strange to hear um but the monthly cpi data that australia gets has only been introduced within the last sort of 12 months or so before that we only used to get a quarterly reading on inflation so the monthly basket doesn't include all of the um, services and goods it's about 75 percent of the cpi basket um, so the, the key is uh, is looking at the, the quarterly number, and, and that is not released until the end of this month. Um, and also the RBA has the ability to hike or pause and change their monetary decisions every single month. Again, slightly different to what we get from the Fed and, and some other central banks. But the pause was was good news for the local market for the ASX 200. It, it jumped on the news. It was up about half percent. I think investors took some comfort in the belief that the RBA is is slowly winding down its tightening cycle, um, and you know market pricing is is for a cash rate of four point six percent. And I think that yesterday, you know, were signs that that may not come to to fruition, which is is obviously great news for for markets. But I think the key takeaway for investors is 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 that you know the RBA has probably still got another hike in the tank before year's end. This is more likely a, a skip from the RBA rather than the end of 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 the story. I think they're they're going for a wait and see scenario. You know, they were pleased, as I say, with the progress of the monthly CPI reading that fell significantly. It dropped to five point six percent from six point eight percent, but they continue to reaffirm that inflation is still too high. And as I say, that quarterly CPI reading is going to be the key, I think, to what's next for the RBA. And there's also, as you know, most people will know, but if you don't know, there's plenty of other factors that go into obviously changing interest rates. And, and a big part of that is, you know, unemployment is labor markets, um, you know, is participation rates, it is set retail sales, uh, consumption, all of these things that, that go into it. Um, and in Australia, our labor market, you know, is is red hot, which has been a longstanding concern for the RBA. We've got unemployment near multi-decade loads, participation at record highs, and on top of that, strong wages. And that's a real worry for uh, Governor Philip Lowe, you know, who is who is basically trying to battle um, wages to not see a, a spiral there. But I think the decision that of pausing points towards, you know, them feeling that the economy is weakening and that they have a worry over tipping Australia into a recession. Um, you know, they, they sort of reiterated that it's going to be a, a narrow path to, to a soft landing and that's getting narrower. But I think the good news, especially for, for local equities and the local market, is that I think there's a strong chance now that we don't see 
uh, 4.6% as the as the peak of interest rates. I think if we were going to see that, we may have seen another hike yesterday. We didn't get it. So, you know, maybe um, we may start to see those those expectations of peak rates dialed down slightly. Yeah, it, it's interesting what you mentioned at the beginning, that traders and investors really have been kept on edge by the RBA. And the, the devil on, I can't remember if it's your right or left shoulder, uh, is is wanting them to then raise rates next uh, time out as well. So they raise, pause, raise, pause, and just send the market crazy. But I think uh, you're right. I think uh, this will be taken well, has been taken well. It'd just be really interesting to see how it sort of develops, I guess, from what other central banks look to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in terms of the 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 sort of the course that they are sort of taking, I think it's been different to the approach of other central banks. You know, the Fed have sort of kept its foot on the gas, mm-hmm. haven't, you know, really let that off yet. But, you know, I think that that's, you know, going to be on the horizon um, pretty soon, you know, that, you know, that easing up. And we obviously, um, you know, we're starting to see the end of these cycles, but two pauses from the RBA is is pretty different to what we've seen, as I say, from, from most central banks. But for the Fed, we get some more key data this week, Sam. We've got non-farm payrolls, you know, I was talking about labor markets there and, and how important, you know, unemployment rates are, jobs markets are to economies, to central banks. You know, what what's what's on the horizon with non-farms this time around and, and why is it going to be so important? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important because we are 21 days, 10 hours, 15 minutes and four seconds away from the next FOMC meeting to be precise at the time of recording. And this week wraps up the, the latest jobs report from the US. So let's let's kick into it. We've got the jolts data before that from from May uh, and the weekly initial jobless claims, both of which are going to give us a bit more of a an oversight before that big NFP data, uh, which of course will come out Friday for those in the UK, 1.30 p.m. Um, let's talk about the jolts first, although it's a bit dated because it's you know looking back at the data from May it can have a significant impact. And actually, if we look at what happened last time out, last month with the April data, it actually surprised us to the upside and caused quite a stir in the market. So we can't underestimate its influence. And this is actually quite a good note for those day traders out there. You know, when you're coming into the the sort of the trading session in whatever morning that is for you, wherever you're based, and you're looking at the calendar for the day ahead, just because it might not be an inflation reading, a GDP reading, a non-farm payroll reading, doesn't mean you're not going to get an event that could move the market. If it's way out of line, you know, the the market could could spike higher or lower. So just bear that in mind, especially if you're looking to control that risk and you are someone who's in and out the market quite frequently. Um, just be aware of that. Initial jobless claims, there's some good news, but potentially from Moody's. They mentioned that it decreased in the latest week, which is a positive sign. However, the four-week average is hovering around the break-even level, estimated to be around 265,000 by Moody's. We need to keep an eye on any sustained increase in claims there because that could obviously indicate uh, a slowdown in monthly job gains, which brings us on to that NFP report itself. The consensus uh, amongst analysts and experts, which don't always get it right, but it's expecting 200,000 uh, added, which would actually be the the lowest. If it was 200,000 or just below, it'd be the lowest for 12 months, which would be 
probably quite a good sign. I think the markets would take that. Uh, the previous month was 339,000. That was a surprise to the upside. Uh, the unemployment rate, which is at 3.7, that is expected to remain unchanged. Uh, and the other part is the average hourly earnings, which is projected to rise at 0.3 month over month, which is matching the increase that we saw in May. Uh, Moody's, uh, again, just to bring them into the, the podcast, they have quite an interesting take on it all. Uh, while they anticipate signs of the labour market cooling off, hence that 200,000 payroll number we just mentioned, they believe it's not really going to be enough to deter the FOMC from resuming those hikes in 21 days, 10 hours, 12 minutes and 10 seconds time. Uh, in fact, the market is is expecting that that 25% increase. We're currently around 88, 90%. That will change day to day, but that's what it is right now. Uh, Jerome Powers has hinted at more hikes and claims most of the committee share the view. For us not to get a hike based just off of this meeting, we need to see a really, really low number. You need to come out questioning or not questioning, believing that the rate hikes have done their job, that um, people are losing jobs to not spend as much money to cool down inflation even more. And I just can't really see us getting a number way below 200,000. On the flip side, if we get a number closer to 300,000, if unemployment rate is below 3.7, if average hourly earnings are above 0.3, you know, it just increases that hike and actually would bring into question more hikes down the line equities wouldn't like that the dollar would love it and you would get that sort of monetary policy reaction so yeah one to keep an eye on it's how we finish the week uh as with all non-farm payrolls the monday and tuesday that follow are usually pretty quiet it acts as a bit of a reset for the market but yeah friday bring it on i mean it, it wraps up what could have been a quiet week and makes it a pretty interesting one yeah it certainly adds a bit of spice to the end of the week doesn't it yes. always it was always the one on the calendar that um less so much now being in australia but always used to sort of look out for the the non-farms always a a nice sort of trading day but you know i think you, you made a great point there in terms of data moving in the right direction i think we, we've seen that certainly from us inflation certainly moving um at the right pace down significantly and and just flipping it back to to the rba as well you know same sort of movement really sort of um significant falls in inflation as i've mentioned but i think uh, as you say to, to sort of really keep the fed on on pause and then to keep the rba on pause you know we've really got to see some aggressive moves further down in in this data and i just don't think that you know inflation and unemployment will move enough for both the RBA and the Fed, who are both data dependent at this point. So I don't think that data is going to move enough for, for either of them to 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 sort of not hike again in, in the short term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, right. We've covered the RBA. We've done the NFP. Uh, and next up is Tesla. Uh, what caught your eye this week then? I mean, Musk has, has been incredibly busy trying to put out fires with Twitter and the post viewing limits, uh, you know, I, I think it was uh, earlier, or was it the weekend? I think it was all kicking weekend, off and yeah. weekend. Um, you know, sometimes I forget that he actually has an involvement in, in Tesla at all with all, you know, and especially after he said he's going to step down from, from Twitter CEO and all of this, got someone new in. Uh, will he be, other than the Twitter drama, will he be a happy man following the headlines around these delivery numbers? You know, and also from the report itself, what what stood out for you? Uh, well, he certainly copped some flack over the weekend, as you yes. say. But 
I mean, I think whatever happens, Elon Musk is going to be a happy man. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's the richest man in the world, isn't he? So yeah. I'm sure he's number one. I'm sure, I'm sure, what whatever happens, he'll be smiling. But no, he'll be an extra happy man now. Let's just say that. Um, r- record quarterly sales or deliveries from uh, Tesla in Q2: four hundred sixty-six thousand deliveries, higher than Wall Street estimates. Uh, those price cuts really paying dividends um and shares are just absolutely having a stellar start to the year as has the nasdaq in in sort of general but up 127 percent so far this year that's a big turnaround after a horrible 2022 um so yeah a pretty strong turnaround but the the price cuts as i mentioned there they've been the key they're driving volumes um and then i think the, the next point to that in terms of price cuts, helping those volumes and getting us back to record levels is going to be earnings when they come through in, in, in later this month. I think it's, I think it's actually, I'm going to go off the top of my head. I think it's like the 26th of July, something like that, 24th of July, later mm-hmm. in the month. Um, because the big question is, is what is the impact going to have on margins? You're, you're driving volumes, you're, you're cutting prices They've been known on the street for having the most impressive automotive margins. Uh, and I think that's going to be a watch. Consensus is for automotive gross margins to come in at 20%. And I think that is going to be the number to watch because their margins, as I've said, have been impressive. And 20% is that golden number. I think a number below that will put the stock under some pressure. I think when you've got a when you've got gains of 120% plus, as I say, uh within six months you you don't leave any margin for error at all so yeah that 20 percent i think is going to be the golden number i think if we drop below that you know the the low estimate from bloomberg analysts is about 17 percent. the bull case is about 22 percent. so let's see maybe we just stick around that 20 percent number but i think that's that's going to be the number that 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 tilts the dial either way but i think just coming back to, to maybe some strong points with Tesla and to really sort of, you know, cap off why we've seen, you know, a, such a big gain this year. Also, we've got the, obviously there's record numbers that I've just mentioned. We've got the supercharger deals that it's announced with Ford, with GM and with Rivian. They've been huge and just show, you know, that they're not just, you know, a vehicle manufacturer. They are so much more than that. It's an energy business um its battery ecosystem is is second to none then we've got this sort of ai driven auto you know autonomous pathway that they're sort of on as well and then bottom line it's got some amazing cars as well that as i say are selling at those record levels they are honestly spaceships i (laughs) i drove one at the weekend my auntie has one i drove one they're just insane you get in i know most people know this but you get in with a card you you know just literally get in and it starts you get out of the car it just turns itself off and just locks it's brilliant there's no start button no stop button um cameras all over the place uh, yeah it is brilliant um how much they pay to say think, that and and uh you're basically a salesman now no i know yeah i probably would make it elon if you're listening um <laughs> we'll, we'll take we'll take tesla sponsorship on the podcast now but look i think uh, just i mean th- there's plenty of reasons why investors love this stock right and and we had a client event here in in sydney um about a week or two ago and i was i was talking to a couple of guys who who love tesla there 
but they own a Tesla as well. And I think, I mean, I was talking about it there very highly, but when you do maybe own the car, it's a great reason to own the stock as well, because you just see how good it is. And, and you know, in that sense, so that's all the good things to, to, to love the stock and to own the stock. Obviously, on the you know the the negative side as well, we've got we've got margins to think about. We've got competition to think about. Um, there's obviously you know demand coming into it as well. If we think about this economy slowing down in the US, are people still going to be buying Teslas? Do they need to bring through a, a cheaper model? So there is plenty of you know downsides as well. But I think it's worth noting that production was super healthy in the last quarter as well. They were at four hundred eighty thousand. And I think that's really positive in terms of increasing their capacity to be able to start dealing with greater demand because we're going to see it. This EV sort of transition is happening no matter what anyone says. You know, lots of countries, um, you know, phasing out combustion engines. So I think that's an issue that we've seen for Tesla in the past uh, is not being able to get enough vehicles out of the factory, you know, wait list going back 12 months. But that seems to be changing. I think that's key. China's been a big factor of that. It's Shanghai factory picking up again. They had a 20% increase in production and deliveries in June. Um, and China, again, another key market, biggest um, in the world for EVs. And they've just uh, announced an extension of tax breaks for consumers buying clean vehicles until 2027, which was uh, originally pulled at the start of this year. So that's another huge win there for for tesla um, from a sales and production point of view um so bottom line look you know the, the tesla balls are going to be absolutely loving this and i think this is going to put the bears into hibernation for a little bit oh i love it love that love that finish i mean tesla of course had a, a strong year good year-to-date performance five-year performance as we know is in, insane incredible over a thousand percent so elon musk is happy richest man in the world despite having to put out fires all weekend on twitter uh what else have we got by the the back end of the week we'd have had fomc minutes eurozone retail sales from may not expecting anything there uh, and also the canadian jobs report uh beginning of next week chinese inflation on the monday one to keep an eye on obviously in a very different situation to many parts of the world uh that will come in monday uh on 10th 11th 12th on the wednesday bank of canada announcement so following the RBA, women interesting to see what they do there. Also got the RBNZ there too on the same day. UK jobs data on there on that week, next week, along with UK GDP, and you also get some ECB minutes. So a couple of interesting uh weeks ahead of us. Um, and then of course, you know, it won't be too long until we have the the US inflation number out as well and all of that. So yeah, busy couple of weeks. Um, Josh, until then. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, speak soon. Take care, everyone. Trade safely. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.